0: You so much. Lord, we come into your presence on a Wednesday night, and Lord, you show up and you break those boundaries, that Father, that we've set before ourselves, and Lord, you expand us, you enlarge us, you fill us up to overflowing, and God, I just feel your presence in this room, and I thank you for showing up, God. Lord, you're always here. You allow us to come into your presence. Father, it's, it's ours for the taking, and so Lord, I just thank you for the, for the anointing in this room right now. Holy Spirit, I ask, as the teaching is taking place tonight, Holy Spirit, do your work. Do that thing that no man can do. Reach into the hearts, Father, of those here. Give us an ability, Father, to pray like we've never prayed before. Lord, to see things that we've never seen. Give give us visions, Lord. Give us triumphant visions. Father, give us the the awareness of your presence and everything that's taking place as a a body, as a church body. And Lord, I'm going to focus on the church body Father, that as we move forward, Lord, we're not looking back. We're not looking at the old things, the waste places. But Father, we're looking forward to you rebuilding the foundations, the very foundations. Lord, I look at this group that's come out tonight. This is the foundation of Legacy Church. And I'm believing that as we go forward, Lord, you're going to build your temple on this body. And we lend ourselves to you, Father. We lend ourselves at your service To do that thing, which you're going to do in the Tri-County area, the Charleston area, through the ministries that are taking place at this local church. God, I thank you for being a part, of allowing me to be a part, allowing us to be a part of the mighty works that you're doing in this earth, Lord, in the redemption of those who you love so much. Father, give us a heart for the lost. We love you so much, God. We love you and we want nothing more than to please you and serve you all the days of our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Everyone have a seat. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so good to be here tonight. It's been a an intense week. We'll just put it at that. An intense week thus far. And I just look forward to coming together with you guys and just being able to share what God is doing. He's showing me some things lately. And um, I just want to bring this to you. Tonight we've entitled the, the lesson, Love and Limits. It kind of it alludes a little bit to what we're talking about, but I want to put an emphasis on boundaries. I want to talk about what it means to to acknowledge boundaries, to set boundaries, to enforce boundaries, and to acknowledge boundaries in others' lives. When uh, I'm going to try to refrain from using names, um, but there's there's people that I know that are close to me. Um, even in the church and some even family members, that we just, we, we, we're givers, you know, we love people. Even if we weren't Christians, we'd love people. We just love to to love. And even on the Pruitt side, we're full of, I mean, that's just, that's just who we are. It's kind of annoying in some circles. They're just, you're so loving, knock it off, you know. But the fact remains, we just, we, we, we love and we're going to continue to love. And that comes with some blessing, absolutely, but there are certain areas in our lives that we need to learn the difference between what it means to love the way God loves, but also how to honor the boundaries that God has allowed us to place in our lives and that He's placed in our lives. So I entitled tonight's message, Love and Limits. Boundaries is the focal point. And I wanted to to get a grip on where this was going the, 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 the term boundaries jumped in my spirit and I had to define it what is it um, the dictionary calls it something that indicates bounds or limits a limiting or bounding line Pastor Tracy when she did her CSI uh, message you know we had the police line do not cross tape up here and whenever we see that in life we tend to know that okay that's, that's an area you just don't go into and you recognize there's authority involved there it's a police line I mean you don't want to even if you know it'd be amazing if one day we just put police line out in the parking lot uh, between cones and just monopolize ninety percent of the parking lot, people would find other places to park, even though there's no real it's just that we, well, there's an authoritative feeling that comes along with that so that it's amazing how that boundary that can be set will deter so many people, but it's visible. When you look at the life of a Christian or an individual, even that's not a Christian, there's certain emotional, spiritual, and physical space that exists between you and another person. And that would, that would be a way to define a boundary. Another is the, the mark or the, the demarcation, if you will, of where you end, your, your person ends and another's begins or where yours begins and another's ends. There's boundaries there. A limit or line over which you will not allow anyone to cross because of maybe something that's, you know, that line's been crossed in the past and the negative implications that it brought with it cause you to set a boundary that say, I'm not going to do that anymore. For instance, if you may have loaned somebody money um, and they didn't pay you back or you were taken advantage of in some other way, maybe it was, I mean, there's an endless number of ways that that can happen, but we tend to set a boundary and say that's i'll never do that again you know we we make a a declaration or pastor what what is it in encounter when we talk about yeah we make yeah vows and judgments and that but you, you vow not to do anything again you set that boundary because of something that might have happened in your past an established set of limits over your physical spiritual and emotional well-being which you expect others to respect in the relationship with you, that's a big one. Um, when it comes to authority, and just recently I addressed this with my youth, you know, I, Kelly and I, and Tyler as well. We we tend to want so badly to come to their level, to our youth's level, and see them eye to eye, and be able to, you know, use their lingo and dress like them and talk, you know, just interact with them. But what happens is we sacrifice a bit of that authoritative figure, if you will. And the boundaries that we would like them to respect tend to get fuzzy because we don't, you know, we're not... We are consistent, unfortunately. We're consistent in that we, we come down their level and, and dwell there so long that when they get so comfortable, the rapport has developed so much so that something happened just recently, and I won't mention the name. Somebody said, yes, ma'am. You know, just in joking, you know, I asked for a napkin. They're like, oh, yes, ma'am. Whoa. Stop. And it was kind of, oh, you know, they were kind of testing the water, thinking, oh, maybe I can get away with this. And when I, no, it was, you know, that that boundary had to be defined rather clearly. Emotional, spiritual, and physical space that you need in order to be the real you without pressure from others to be something that you're not. Now, that's a big one. And that's where we we want to spring from tonight is as Christians, we need to be certain as to who we are in Christ if we 're going to walk out a life that glorifies God, how many of you know God was not a doormat? Jesus Christ when he lived here, I always refer to him sitting in the marketplace, weaving a whip and just taking his time to determine okay there 's going to come a time here where i 'm just going to unload. They are not going to take you know this not this isn 't going to happen He just stepped forward, but he knew his place it wasn 't he wasn 't haughty he wasn 't Um, He wasn't going in there to take advantage of his, or or to abuse his authority. He simply had, he observed the, the boundaries that were being violated on their end, because believe you me, there were many boundaries being violated, but he operated in his boundary as a Christian. I mean, if there was a Christian, Christ was him. And he did some things that might look unchristian to someone in the world that would say, oh, but, you know, he went and flipped over people's tables and let their animals loose. And, you know, that was just very, very unnice. Well, boundaries don't always look nice necessarily. And we'll get, we'll, we'll try to clear this up. I want to make sure that as we go out tonight, that we, we walked away with the, this is what I want us to get. We want to take control of our time, our talents, and our emotions. The purpose of tonight's message is to establish that, that you take control of your time, your talent, and your emotions. That's the goal tonight. So everything that's spoken it revolves around that. It can get hairy and as I've rehearsed this and I've talked you know I've, I've gone through and I've believe me there's been a lot of changes and I I was hoping I wouldn't stick to my notes tonight because uh there it's this is a tough one. Have you ever wondered about any of these things if you tell your friend who's asking you for money and they've asked you before, they know you're a Christian and the Bible says that you're going to lend money, so they're going to come and they're going to seek you out because you're the one, that you're the Christian. How many times, that, if pastor was here and I had him tell us how many times that phone rings in a given day with individuals asking for money for their electric bill. Y'all are a church, you're supposed to pay my electric bill. I mean, they'll say things like this. Tyler, are you here? He went in, no, he's back there. He answers the phone quite often, and, and you get these, Maria, you've answered the phone, and it's people with these outlandish requests saying... You know, you pay my car payment. I need, I need some help with my mortgage. They don't say hello. They don't, it's just boom. Because we carry that stigma as Christians that to the world or someone um, that might be, has a, have a Jezebel spirit. or They'll come and they'll attack you. And if you don't know who you are in Christ and what those boundaries are and what you're obligated to as a Christian and what you're not, you will get walked on and taken advantage of. Certain people get put in jail on a regular basis, and they call you, and you know the first time you bail them out, you love them, you're a brother and sister in Christ, and they go back and they call you again, and gosh, okay, you're my friend. I mean, who else are you going to call? And you'll you'll reason beyond reason to uh, to do it, and then even, they'll just start taking advantage, and they'll call you. It'll be the first one they call because you're going to come. Do you do you fear that you're not going to be considered long suffering if you're not? At their beck and call, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Now, if I try to discover who I am, maybe I'm spending, maybe I'm spending some time on myself. I'm in a transitional period in life, and I'm going to put off maybe. Now, Pastor, is this being recorded? Because I don't know if he's going to want to. Maybe I want to. Maybe I need to put off the children's ministry for a little while. Maybe I'm just a little overburdened, and I need to take some time to figure out who I am and. But am I, not, am, I, am I being selfish? Because and we have these conundrums. As, as Christians who serve in a church, we need to understand what God has called us to do as individuals. The Bible says that we're to focus on others. Absolutely. But he's not going to have a good sharp tool to use to focus on others with if you're not focused on yourself in the least. You need to know who you are. Now, all these conflicts, they have a common theme. You know, we've got to... Love someone, absolutely, but at the same time, there's a requirement of righteousness on our part and on their part. You know, we've got these people that might call us for the money or for the, you know, to take advantage of us. We've got to require some righteousness from them, especially those whom call themselves our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are here to help one another, but if we see somebody going out of bounds, And they want to come, you know, there might be a place in your heart that you'll extend a little grace and a little extra mercy beyond that which the Father would. But that's your personal, you know, you can do it the way you will. But there comes a time when you need to understand that this is the line. I've drawn this line in the sand. We cannot violate that anymore because it's going to happen. But to love someone, this is the conundrum. How can we love others and deny ourselves yet not be taken advantage of or controlled even? On one hand, if we love someone, we'll continue to be long-suffering and we'll accept that person just as they are with all their hurtful actions and behaviors and baggage. So we continue to give as the Christian thing to do. But then on the other hand, they continue to act in this behavior that negatively affects our relationship. Um, it, 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 just, it, starts to, it starts to spiral out of control and you start to feel the need to do something to help this person like how do i prevent my how do i prevent them from he, having to keep coming to to me or someone else you know what do i do at this point that's when i believe the lord puts in our heart the giftings that we each ha, that we each have as a as a body when we congregate when we come together on a regular basis and are allowing ourselves to be transparent with one another and can receive correction which is huge in the church that i don't there's not many people that want to receive correction, period, let alone from those brothers and sisters in Christ. But when you get those that, that will receive correction, that's when our gifts come into play. Everyone in this room has a gift that someone else in this room can can use. While Maria may be exceedingly talented in one area of ministry, there's going to be a lot of people that come under this umbrella of Legacy Church who go to Maria and walk away saying, she can't help me. And But... Lo and behold, they can walk to any any other. You know, Casey has a a unique ministry. And Tim, I mean, Tim has a. You know, they, the guys come to hang out. They do guys things. You know, they come home smelling like goats. You know, the guy. You know, but it, that, I mean, that's um that a lot of a lot of guys want that. There's some guys that are that might want to come and sit under a, you know, under a ministry like. Maybe Ed's got something going on in his house, and it's just different. We all have different giftings, and we need to figure out how we can do do something with that. But we don't know what to do. Well, the Bible teaches the two sides of love. One loves and accepts people and forgives and is mercy-motivated and has all the grace and everything else. And we take them just as they are. But the other acknowledges truth and requires righteous behavior. That is our job as a church. We're brothers and sisters. I had a lot of fights with my brother in my past. And um he and I grew up on a on a different <laughs> plane. We're half brothers. I think the fact that his biological father and my biological father were different played a major role in the dynamic that we that existed between the two of us. But nonetheless, we would look out for one another and if some if he was doing something really stupid, I would tell him you're you're being really stupid. I didn't have to sugarcoat it. I didn't have to um, but he was my brother. There was there was a blood there that allowed me to be straight up. Listen, now I'm not preaching disrespect. I don't want you to. You know, I wasn't always very respectful to him. But he had the ability to receive my heart, despite what came out of my mouth. And he knew my heart was that he not get in trouble, um, or that he not do something that might get me in trouble was more like what it was. But um, but there's a there's a certain right uh, there's a certain acknowledgment of of righteousness that we've got to possess in our in our Christian walks. We can't allow one another to walk towards the proverbial cliff without saying uh, <clears throat> yeah, you, no, don't stop. Just stop. You, you can't go there. On the other side there's there's that grace and that that mercy and the love and compassion and and so there's a there's a balance there that is ever so there's a that fine line and it's it can be touchy, but that's where fellowship comes in, when we spend enough time around one another and we love one another and we, sp- we spend time in prayer with one another, for one another, it's really hard to be upset at someone who prays for you. It's just, it's just hard. Even if you don't know they're praying for you, there's just something there that says, I'm in friendly territory. And it, it, it we receive from one another a lot easier. Now, God cares about his relationship with us, and he doesn't want just des- des- destructive behavior to mess us up or destroy relationships amongst our body, but more so the relationships that exist with him. Now, his righteous, um, his righteous nature have requirements in relationships, and he's going to step into a, a problem situation with a solution. God does that in my life. I know he does it in your life. If you're not walking under his um, His commandments or his, his – if you're not walking in his love in whatever situation in your life – you'll know. It's just, it's, a, it's something, he gets in there and he lets you know. Well, being that he is the God that he is and he loves us, there are certain limits. He is long-suffering, absolutely. <clears throat> Praise God, bless you. He is long-suffering, but he has limits. He's not eternally suffering. The, suffering. the, Bible, the Bible says he's not eternally suffering. <laughs> putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. So, there's not one side from from grace and mercy to righteousness and truth and that that hammer, there's not one side that he favors more than the other. It's an intricate balance, and we've got to make sure that that we understand that as we deal with this. Um, His love and righteousness, they they go together. They 100% one cannot exist without the other if we're going to function as Christians. Um, Tracy will tell you in her past, she she favored the side of righteous judgment and she made a lot of enemies as a result it took god giving her a little i don't know what you want to call it but it probably involved a little of that and some of this and to make her realize wow i'm i'm being judgmental and critical and while i'm i'm standing in your truth lord i'm telling them what the bible says and i'm 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 but he says, you're not loving them. You're not being compassionate. Slow down. Chill out, girl. Just take it easy. But she was brought up in that environment. And it's understandable that if we're brought up in that environment, we don't have teachings that allow us to explore the freedom that we have. And we talked about freedom last time I, I spoke with you. But the freedom exists in his love and compassion, but yet his righteousness and truth. And we've got to function and flow in that. We've got to be sensitive and discerning to the times and moments, situations, situations. Um, and, and the opportunities, because God's going to give us so many opportunities as we're faithful, as we're as we're diligent in seeking Him. He's going to see a sharp tool, and He's going to throw some wackos your way. He's going to throw those people in your path. That you're like, okay, Lord, I know I prayed for patience, but are you serious? <laughs> I mean, really? You know, there, He's He. That's praise God. If you get those kinds of people, you are you are in His favor. I know that sounds crazy, but that's one of those. Oxymorons or paradoxes, whatever you want to call it. Um, Psalms 85.10, it says, Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That just, uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, he wants us to be like him, and he wants us to have boundless love for one another, but at the same time, He wants us to, and I know this is kind of redundant, and I I just want to drive this point home. But he wants us to require righteous behavior from one another in our relationships. Now, as we define boundaries in our lives, you know that's a lifelong thing, and I think you know even as Jabez prayed, he said, "Enlarge my territory," and he God is going to enlarge boundaries. I believe that boundaries aren't going to be set in stone, and you are going to be required to walk under this this umbrella. Um, for a long time, because as we grow and mature as Christians, I think He's going to expand those, and He's going to give us grace and freedom. But for a lot of us, as we grow and move up in ministry, it's our boundaries get smaller, and and that's another whole lesson. But um, our freedom to to just exist as a um, as a sheep versus a shepherd. Starts to define our character by placing limits on the amount of um, worldly fun, if you want to call it that, or or other things. But it, it kind of it boxes us into this this strict role because there is such a high degree of responsibility when it comes to being responsible for God's work and His children and His sheep. I mean, it it, it says he says you'll have their blood on your hands, and when God talks about blood. He's serious, and and I want you to understand that boundaries. While we can while we can function in freedom, and and I'm thinking of that commercial right now. With those children that the kids on a bike, and he says, "Hey, you want to ride the bike?" And he says, "Yeah." Eek. Okay, stop. Whoa. Well, you thought you said I could ride a bike. Yeah, you did. Just can't ride it very far. Just stay <laughs> right in there. God's not cruel like that. Um, but basically, you know, as we as we define our boundaries, we're we think of righteousness and limits. And we refer to boundaries in that, righteousness and limits. But basically, if you can picture and I'm going to use the analogy of maybe a, a HOA um, scenario, but it, it's a property line. And if you look, if you've ever been through well, pastors refer to his neighborhood on a number of occasions, he talk, talks about his neighbor having a yard to keep and he having a yard to keep, and there's a line that's not really spray-painted between the two yards, but it exists, and you know it exists. And he would tell you, because one has crabgrass and the other doesn't, but no. Um, But the fact is, there's an obvious line there that exists, and in our personal lives, we need to acknowledge that we have that, if you can get that image, we have a lawn, we have a property that we're responsible for. Now, your neighbor is not going to be able to look over the fence and tell you, he might make some observations, and people are totally entitled to observe your landscaping and make all the comments they'd like. Don't let it ruffle your feathers. But they can't tell you whether or not you're going to cut your grass. They can't tell you if they think you should alter your lighting. Um, just as much as they would, they would tell you what is wrong in there and they would expect that you would change it, try asking them to come cut the grass. Say, so if you don't like it, come cut it. I doubt they're going to get involved with that. So they really don't have a right um, to that, but they also don't have the responsibility either. Part of our ownership of and right of owning property is it comes along with the responsibility of maintaining it. And there's there's a lot of responsibility in our souls and the maintenance of our souls. And God wants us to acknowledge Him in everything that we do, but He gave us individual individuality. And so as we as we go further in this, I want you to, to understand that there's a while we have an entitlement to what we have, we have a responsibility to maintain what we have, what He's given us. Our souls and our personalities have bound have boundaries as well. Now I talked to you about where we we can define a boundary or or acknowledge a boundary by where we end and where another begins. There's that personal space. Well, we need to... I'm going to stick to my notes this time, I promise. I I already got ahead of myself. If either one of us steps over the line and ignores our responsibilities then as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's, it's, we're responsible to see that in someone else and remind them of their responsibilities. Um, well, I could just say this. If I was standing here right now, my zipper was down, I would hope somebody would tell me. It's comical, but it happens. But, I mean, you would go so far as to say, or if I had mustard on my face, and I actually... Contemplated coming in here tonight with mustard on my face to see how long it took somebody to tell me, but I know you all well enough. I wouldn't have even made it past the foyer. Somebody just said, uh, "Well, no." The youth stands up there and be, <laughs> "You got mustard." They tend, they let they do that, but this is where it get. The rest of this night is where it gets it gets tough on a personal level. So I want you guys to to take this to heart. Let's first, before I even get into that, I want to talk about the, the purpose of boundaries. Our, our boundaries are, are set in place to protect certain aspects of our lives. Boundaries are a good thing. Firmly established, recognized, acknowledged, heeded, they protect very valuable assets in our lives. One of them is our feelings. Feelings get hurt when, have you ever heard of the story about the elephant who couldn't say no? Anybody? Okay, one, cool. That's all I needed. Even if you're lying, I don't care. One is fine. And she's not though; she doesn't lie. But there was an elephant. Once upon a time, but there was an elephant, and he, it was a little children's book. But this elephant had troubles. He would, he was depressed. He was like Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh, and he just, he'd do anything for everybody. He loved everybody, but everybody would say, "Oh, you know, you need help with this? Call elephant. He'll do it. Call elephant. He'll Okay, I'll do it." And he just wished, you know, I wish I could say no. I wish, well, actually, he didn't even know what it was. Finally, somebody asked him, what's wrong? And they got to the bottom of it after some intense, deep deliverance sessions and therapy. (laughs) Yeah. They finally got to the core. And, Mr. Elephant, your problem is that you don't say no. Oh, I never thought of that, said Mr. Elephant. They got to the core of it, and finally he tried it out. Somebody came up to him and said, I want to do no. (sighs) Oh, okay. Wow, that was weird. You know, It kind of shocked them at first. And it took a long time for his friends to get used to the fact that he says no. And they would still come to him trying. And then they thought, well, man, that's, that's rude. It, it, for someone who says yes all the time, for them to say no one time, it seems rude. And for most people, the, the seeming rudeness is in their head. Because it's not really. It's just they think that if I, just, if I say no, they're not going to like me. They're going to think I'm mean. And I said, a, I wear a WWJD bracelet for crying out loud. How can I say no? Well, you've got to say no. You've got to learn. Now, it's not to say you go around anybody. hey, can you? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're entitled to that if you want, but you won't win many friends that way. But his feelings were affected seriously. He didn't even know what it was. Our attitudes absolutely are going to be affected. Um, the choices that we make are going to be affected. The limits that we have in our lives are going to be effect, are, are affected by the boundaries. And how, You know, if we, if we govern our lives based on what other people think, we're not going to go very far in most cases. The limits that we set in our lives are typically based on what other people tell us. And it starts with childhood and your parents and what they instill in you. And eventually, you develop this set of expectations for yourselves that limit you. Well, if you set boundaries and you allow yourself to spend time on, on developing who you are, where you're going in life, then you will blow the glass ceiling off of your limits. And, and that's an amazing thing. We need, to, we need to digest that. But our thought life, boundaries protect, protect our thoughts. We need to allow ourselves to... To be free to dwell on those things that God has put in our lives, those things that He's written about, and when we're so burdened by our responsibilities to other people, we tend to get off of His focus. And the enemy is going to do this. He's going—he is a. Remember the border bullies. Who read? I don't even remember what book it was. We talked about border bullies—the ones that when you got to the border on the way to this place, which one was it? The The Dream Giver. They would stop you at the border and just tell you you're not. You turn around, go back. You're never going to make. You're just. They're the border bullies. And Satan does that in our lives, and he'll tell you you can't do something. And if we don't set our boundaries and heed them, then we're gonna we're gonna yeah. Then Satan Satan is right. Um, Boundaries protect our desires, our behaviors, our talents, and then ultimately our ability to love. And that's big. God is really big on love. heard it once. I mean, somebody said that one time, and I, I, I just sucked it up. Now, I wrote down scriptures on... I'm going to ask you guys to write these down, and I, I really do want you to, to take the time tonight, if you will, to read them. These are, these are good ones. All of them are good, but these are really good ones. All right, if I'm angry, it's really my problem. Now, God, God gives us the, the freedom to be angry. He does He does say that he, anger is not a sin, but to sin in your anger well that 's a sin, but also to, to let that consume you so much so that you go to bed angry that tells me you 've got a border issue you have allowed somebody to violate some borders, and as a result you are you 're just messed up, and you need to you need to reevaluate and, and, and heed those borders um, we need to, it's our responsibility to handle it in a biblical way, but Ephesians, that's Ephesians 4.26. Write that down, and I want you to, to meditate on that. Um, if my behavior is out of control, which I tell you, there's, there's some radical Christians that, while they love God and they love people, and they, their, their behavior just can be out of control. And I'm referring, to, I'm, I'm sticking to Christians. I'm not even going to include the world in this because that's like, that's a whole nother sermon. But if your behavior is out of control as a Christian, you've got to learn some self-restraint. Second Peter 1.6. And the same is true for the rest of the things um, that are part of my soul. Now, we're talking about soul here. What makes up your mind, your will, and your emotions. All right? This is, that's important to, to keep in mind here. They're all acts, aspects of my property that God requires me to take responsibility for and to have control of. And Romans fourteen twelve says he's going to hold us accountable. God is going to hold us accountable. If God lives in me, I'm going to let him hold you accountable through me before you have to face him because that's, you don't want to stand there by yourself having to give an account for something that I could have maybe helped you out with if I would have just been bold enough as to tell you, hey, in love and compassion, knock that off. Just zip it. Now, boundaries with each other. Now, ideally, when someone hurts one another, the wrong one should confess. I mean, there's obvious. And make amends with the other. Matthew 5.23 talks about this. Now, a mature person is going to see, after they've been corrected, what they've done wrong. A mature Christian now. And there's 12-year-old mature Christians. There's 55-year-old dummies. Well, not-so-smarties in the, in the faith. Now, 1 Corinthians 11.31 is, is, is talking about that very thing. Now, it's going to become more and more important as we grow in the, in the Christian faith that we learn how to navigate the area of correction. I think church and religion as a whole has really, really got it screwed up. And most people that come out of churches, religious... Um, denominational, and I'm not going to pick on anyone in particular, but there's just a lot of people that come to God at, in a place like Legacy Church, and I'm not tooting our horn, but the fact is, if you come from a church that has uh, a mentality that is corrupt, and you come into a place where love roams freely, it is a shock. It, I experienced this here just recently. We had someone that I'm doing, I'm doing some work for someone right now, and um, I just mentioned, hey, uh, you know, you might consider coming to our church if you'd like to come. Well, she came, and I was hoping she'd bring her son. I want to get Jay in here. Um, I said a name, didn't I? Okay, just just strike that off the record, please. Thank you. Um, But, yeah. I had a chance to speak with her after Sunday, and she was speechless. She came from another denomination and said... I really enjoyed your church. I have never left church feeling better when I left than I did when I got there. <laughs> to me, that's like, why did you keep going? But it, I know it's because this is all I know. But my goodness, there's so many people walking around out there living into the, in that that, oh, wow. I don't even know if that had anything to do with what I was talking about, but that's fine. Now... In Galatians 6.1, it talks about if we don't see that we're wrong, then it's up to someone else to bring it to our attention. I just, I'm giving you all these scriptures because I, I do want you to know that this is all truly scriptural. If we're wise, we'll accept and correct our behavior. Now that is the part of the, of the loving discipline of God that as he helps to improve us through our friends, we're going to grow and develop. Now, if you look at Hebrews um, chapter 12, verses 5 through 13, and Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Now, here it is. is: eighteen 15. Hmm? 5 through 13. Now, have you ever? Has anybody in this room ever pulled a Matthew eighteen? Does anybody know what I mean when I say have you pulled a Matthew eighteen? Any most Christian counselors just they pull this one out as a you know, when in doubt, Matthew eighteen. Let's just, if you haven't heard it, this is a wealth of good stuff. If we're told to, if we're told that something is wrong, and I'm not saying I don't like your clothes or. You know, if somebody was just out of bounds, they did something that was out of bounds, perhaps, well, let's say there was a secretary sleeping with somebody and, and you heard about it and you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, you're married and you're not supposed to be, I mean, there's a, you're, you're, you're in adultery. I, I mean, what do I do? First, Matthew 18, just open your Bible, read it, and heed it. Get it in your spirit because this is, man, this is amazing how God cares so much for our, what we would call petty things, um, but this this is amazing. Now, if you tell them and they refuse to listen, here it goes. The boundaries kick in. Um, there's a process that we use, and it, it has it almost it, it, it even develops into group confrontation if you let it. But Matthew chapter eighteen verses sixteen and seven, 15, 16, 17, If you just go through all of those. But it talks about um, confrontation, one-on-one. I'm not going to go through all the steps for you, but just read through there. But you deal with it one-on-one. Brother, mano y mano. You ever heard that one? We're going at it. We're meeting at the flagpole. It's me and you, mano y mano. We're going to get together, and I'm going to... Brother, sister, I saw something. I heard something. I need to get this out to you. And if you're in sin, you need to get this right. Are you sleeping with your secretary? If so, you know that's wrong and you just need to remind them and that's your that's your responsibility. And if they don't heed it, you don't go to pastor, you don't now use your discernment. There are certain things maybe that are going to affect someone else that they might need to get involved there. But for the most part, you go right to that person. You go right to that person one-on-one because otherwise just he said, she said, Sally sold seashells by the seashore. And if they don't heed that, then you've got to get someone else into the picture and you... And you you say, "Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you again now, because I heard again that you're, you're just, you're not heeding me, and you look a little bit prideful right now. So I had to bring brother so and so in here. We're gonna talk to you, and I, I need a witness. Can I get a witness? You got a witness, and they're talking. And once you get that point across again, now you've, you've got that established. You know that way they can hear you, and you're like, hey, am I out of bounds here because I'm telling him or her this thing that?" You know, I believe that this is what God's saying, and we're all Christians, so correct me if I'm wrong, because you're doing this more as a protection, because you might just be out of whack yourself if you have this perception that maybe what they're doing is wrong, when in reality, it's not biblically wrong, and I'm the one that needs correction. So it really kind of just builds this it's a boundary line. You know, you're just establishing these boundaries. And then finally, it gets, it gets hairy. Read on to Matthew, and it'll go there. But the key here, the key thought, and get this, is that it is not godly to allow evil to go on when someone else is in denial of his or her sin. We owe it to each other, ladies and gentlemen. We owe it, brothers and sisters. We owe it to each other to love love correctly by disciplining one another. We love correctly by disciplining one another. Discipline. God chastens those whom he loves. We need to make sure that we're Disciplining, discipling, that's where it's derived from. We're disciplining one another in loving compassion that can easily be uh, left out. Here in Hebrews 12, 12 and 13, I want to read this. It says, Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make straight the paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Although it can be painful sometimes, in the long run, it's the best thing for us. Relationships will be tested and strained, but be bold. They will thank you later. I got a phone call today, um, and I mentioned a situation that I was having with some flooring I was installing, and a brother of mine in Atlanta, Georgia said, stop. Stop where you, have you put it down yet? Stop. Don't do it. And he explained to me, and I won't get into all the details, but he saved me A ton of time and money and headaches and broken relationships. I mean, all these. But he had the boldness to just say, stop. He didn't even. Well, I might suggest that you not carry forth with that. No, he said, stop. Whoa, hold on. Okay, and I got my attention. Thank you so much. I can't even appreciate on this end how thankful I am because I heeded him. I didn't just say, well, it's already here on site. We already started. Let's just go on with it and we'll. And later on, he'd just have to say, well, I told you. I mean, <laughs> it's not my fault. I'm not hating him one way or another. I'm, I'm just thankful for him. And later on, he'd be a lot more wise. And he is a lot more wise now that I've, I've decided not to go that route. Okay, we're coming in for a landing. We're, we're almost running longer than I am allowed to. Um, I think that the, the key here is that we're going to be able, the other key here is that we're going to be able to develop character through this process when when i think of integrity and character i see someone who isn't afraid to stand up for what's right and that means you you stand up for the little guy who can't stand up for themselves and you you acknowledge that you know there's certain things that people aren't aware of you know there there's baby christians amongst us that don't realize the boundaries and there's so many analogies to be made but I think of the leash on the dog, you know, after, you know, they don't know the boundaries. And, yeah, wow, it just, that'll get your attention real bad. And they'll do it again and again and over there and then over there. And and you feel for the for the dog, you know, and sometimes you just have to experience things to, to get it. But if I could save you from that, I'm going to. And I can only trust and pray that you're going to get it eventually. If There, there comes a time when that dog doesn't do it. You take the collar off the dog, and he just doesn't go. For fear, that just not even fear, he, it's knowledge, a word of knowledge. I know if I cross this, I get shocked. I'm just not going to do it. The truth is he's not going to get shocked anymore, but he might get hit by a car. <laughs> but, but the whole point in that was not to torture the poor thing. It was to protect them from that car. And that's what God does, and that's what we do as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to acknowledge our boundaries, understand our boundaries, operate within our boundaries, take ownership of our boundaries, be responsible for our boundaries, and then be held accountable for our boundaries and hold each other accountable for our boundaries. The, if I could get anything out of this that would, that would really um, help is that you, you, you get that love ingredient and you get that righteousness and you just put them into a, something and you shake them together and you just try to get a nice blend That works, and every person is going to be different. Robert Platt, I I didn't know you when I was little growing up. I haven't known you that long as it is. But I know I can walk up to him and just be straight up, bold, blunt, and just kapow, throw it at him. And he's just going to receive it. He he understands. But some of you whom I don't know or don't know me, there's another tact. While the truth might be the same and all the rest, there's going to be that tact and that need for... I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, but, but knock it off, will you? Yeah, that, that'd be great. No, I wouldn't be that. That'd be great. So that's what we have tonight. I want you guys to take those scriptures, and I want you to, to, to meditate on those things, and I want us to be a stronger bunch for it. pastor relies on us to keep the peace, to, to, to make the peace in this place. And the way we do that is not by heeding his instruction or his commands as pastor. Rather, heeding God's word. 90% of pastors' job in regards to us and handling us and counseling us can be easily nipped at the bud if we just get these precepts. And if you don't get it on your own, ah, just understand that the 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 wealth of knowledge in the body that we have here is such that we can go to one another and we should be able to go to one another and have that camaraderie and that fellowship and that that understanding. Number one, it will make pastor's life so much easier and when we do need his time, it will be that much more profitable because he can give it to us. But also, praise God, he's given us the ability to minister to one another as well. And as we've come under his word in this place, I believe we get the best teaching here. There are tens of thousands of dollars saved annually by each individual just by attending church here. Some people say, "Well, I tie the whole lot." Well, you're—I mean, if if we charge for the services that you get out of God's word, then doggone it, we're under—we're underpaid. We need to—we need to up that ante a little bit here. Make it a $500 a week minimum. To start, you know, I mean, there's a lot that can, that can come out of it. But let's, uh, let's pray. Randy, if you wouldn't mind getting the offering set up. Actually, there is a counseling fee for tonight, and tonight only. <laughs> no. But uh, as we pray, I want you to lift up Pastor and Tracy while they are in the land of the raging Cajuns. And you know that town is just it's vibrating right if you walk out there I mean right now it's just there's a something in the, it's it's not safe I mean the Saints are going to the Super Bowl you know there's this energy just oozing out of Louisiana and it's just it's got to be invigorating. I just pray for protection and the pastor doesn't come back a Saints fan cuz they can really the only, the only saints that I want him, him to be fans of are, are these right here. That's the only saints I want him to be. All right. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Lord, this midweek service. Father, we know that you, you, you don't see Wednesdays. You don't see Saturdays, Father. You just see us in your presence. And I thank you, Lord, that we're able to come together and, and you've shaken off those things and you've given us a, a tidbit to chew on for the rest of the week. And I just pray that we'll go into your word over the next few days and, and seek you. And, Lord, that you catapult us into the next level, whether, whether it be individually or corporately. Lord, I, just, I do sense something stirring in the Spirit. And I just want you, Lord, to just give us every single tidbit of, of joy and peace and love and patience and kindness. Lord, just squeeze it out. Open the windows of heaven. Lord, I just lift up finances to come upon our congregation, Lord. I lift up that this, this economy is not affecting any one of us. Lord, the health... I just pray that you would just dispatch angels right now to just go around. And, and that spirit of infirmity, Lord, I just I just bind him. Lord, send those angels to just... Lord, if there's a cup that's dirty and you just fill it up with fresh water and leave it running to overflowing, Lord, that dirt can't stay in there. It just gets full of pure, clean water. And I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit reach pour into the lives of everyone here tonight and just continue to flow, Lord. And those things that we're not even aware of, Father, will just come to the surface and be purged from our spirits, Lord, and from our bodies. But, Father, you'll give us a revelation and, and, and an overflowing so much so that we can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, God. That we'll speak a word like, like you did when with Legion. You remember, Father, that faith. Father, I stir up that faith right now. That same faith that, Lord, it's it's just an amazing thing what you can do for a centurion. When... He just came to you in faith. and you, you just, you, It's amazing, God, that you can transcend space and time. And Lord, I just speak right now that you would infuse our lives with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to pickle in your presence, God. I want us to, to be marinated to the very core by who you are. We thank you, God, for everything that you are and all that you are for us and that you do for us and how you love us, God. As we close tonight, I just pray you would send an angel before us and a hedge of protection around us. We love you, Father, and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, guys, if you want to come take an offering, we'll go ahead and close out. Don't forget, Friday night, we're going to be having movie night. We are showing Omega Code. This, have, have, have everybody seen Omega Code? Good. This is an awesome Christian film. There's, I'm a little bit disappointed by the fact that Christian films don't have the budget to produce anything that I care to watch. But Omega Code is one of those films that it rivals the Hollywood production films. So you do not want to miss it. It's uh, it's about um, certain codes in the Bible and how it's just it's it's very interesting and it's very Christian and it's approved by God. Plugged In gives it a great review. Plugged In is that Christian website you can log on to to see if what you're watching is going to possess you or oppress you or. Lift you up, so or stress you. No, but this is this is one of those movies you definitely need to. If, if you don't own it, um, come Friday and watch it. We'll have concessions, so bring tons of cash, and we're gonna we're gonna try to we're doing this to get the last last bit going into the gas and the vans going to Ski Invasion. There will be child care. We have we have lots of youth that'll be here. I'm hoping that we have a great turnout. We'll have ten or twelve youth here. Kelly and I'll be here. So yeah, we're gonna basically just play a movie for them in the back. I don't know if you want to call that care. That's why I paused. But yes, we will have a film showing for the young people, the little ones, in the room over there. So I'm sorry? Date night. Make it a date night. Yeah. Absolutely. It's I mean Valentine's Day is right, you've got to get that get those juices flowing. You know, and for you singles, for you singles, you can come alone you don't have to bring, you know, you don't, but we, you can bring a date. You, you know, we can, if you bring a date, we can run them through the gauntlet because you know, they're going to need our approval. So you might as well just bring them in, get, it's like a car wash. Just bring them in and we will lay hand, we'll get them delivered. And if pastor, pastor will be back, we can get you married at the end. So just bring it on. Deliverance. You know? It's pretty good for $100. Bucks. <laughs> it wasn't that funny. All right, guys. I love you. Um, have a great night. I'm so glad you're here tonight.